kept in that area, and if there was no religion or no Christianity, um, then it was a different colour. So the colour for up here in Kaitaia and the Hokianga area was was yellow. It was one of the highest areas in the country. They showed some of the richer areas. Um, I actually remember the Rimuera area. It was blue. You know, there was hardly any religion there at all uh, from a general point of view as they colored the country. But up here, you know, it's, it's massive. And so we may, you may sometimes think that it's poor in some nature, but it's not. It's rich. This country is rich and so, this area is rich in so many ways. And it's not by chance that God, of course, has um, placed us here at this time to reach and to see those dry bones coming back into a vibrancy and a vibrant church. So missions is part of that, of course, and uh, we want to be part of that as well. So that's not my message, but I do want to um, share this morning on a topic that is, is dear to my heart. To be or not to be, that is the question. And of course, you know, or some of you will know that that's a famous line from William Shakespeare's play Hamlet. And Hamlet, um, I think in about, the English teachers will know this, but I think it's about um, scene one in act three, where he's pondering aloud his actions. He's trying to decide whether it's better to live and to suffer the consequences of his actions or it's better to die and suffer the uncertainty of death, to be or not to be. Now, many hundreds of years ago, um, before William Shakespeare, the Apostle Paul pondered something very similar and also very theatrical, really, in nature. He said, as you know this verse, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know, just, be, just after that, he says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose? I do not know. Now, here's a man that was in assisting to kill Christians. He was zealous to see the Christian movement die. Uh, he went to a lot of effort for that, but he met Christ, and it changed his life, and to the point where he said, I'd rather be with Christ than here on earth. So you hear you got this, you might say, bad man in one aspect, and yet he knew the forgiveness and the love of Christ. And sometimes we feel ashamed of how bad we might have been, and, and somehow the enemy separates us from Christ. So if you could look at yourself and say, I was never as bad as Paul, but and yet he hungered to be with the Lord. Have you ever come to that place where you ask, what is the meaning of my life? Solomon, the, the wisest man, also pondered the meaning of life. If you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, you wonder why the word meaningless, you know, appears so often. In fact, out of um, the NIV, I think meaningless is mentioned 38 times in the Bible, and 35 of those times are found in the book of Ecclesiastes. And yet when he finishes, you know, he's finishing up the book, he says, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, 
for this is the whole uh, duty of man. They came to conclusions, and it was important that they did that. At the end of the day, Paul knew that he loved God and that God loved him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just know that you love us and that you care for us. And we know that we need to do well. But also, Lord, we know there is much, much more. That You, you are enormous, God. You're an amazing God. And you called us. So guide us, we pray. Give us a hunger for you, Lord. And help us to step into everything you had for us. We commit this meeting to you. And we ask that you speak to our hearts on what you're trying to say this morning. In your precious name, amen. You know, even though the Apostle Paul was torn between departing to be with Christ or producing fruitful labor, we know he chose the latter. And in Colossians it says, For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. The church was important, and the church is important to God. And he commissioned Paul with the task, and he understood that commission. We, too, have been commissioned by God, every one of us. Jesus tells us plainly, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed, in other words, commissioned you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. And telling us when he departed, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. So there's no doubt that we all have been commissioned with a purpose. So to be or not to be is not a question for us. It's more like to do or not to do. That's really the question. One of the Old Testament prophets, Elijah, is coming to the end of his ministry, and God gives him these instructions found in 1 Kings. Going on to 2 Kings. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu king over Israel. And anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. We don't know why God chose Elisha. All right, we don't know why he chose us to start off with. He was an ordinary crop farmer. But in verse 17, God tells Elijah that Elisha will put to death those who escape Jehu. Hopefully, it's the same for us. Each of us carrying out what God is expecting us to do. So before Elisha was anointed, God knew that he would do such and such. Before you came to salvation, God knew that you would do such and such. That's why you were called. That's why you received a commission. 
God is expecting us, actually, to do that. He's wanting us to do that. And if we look at Ephesians 2, it says, says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I want to just connect us with Elisha here. I want to say that every one of you is Elisha in this room. God has prepared something for you to do in advance, and he has anointed or commissioned you to do that role. We need to carry that as being important. We need to carry that and say, oh, I'm an Elisha. So carrying on with the story of Elisha, so Elisha went from there and found, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak, his mantle, around him. Now, just to be clear, what we're talking about a mantle here is there's two meanings in this example, a loose sleeveless cloak or shawl. Okay, you understand that. But it's also an important role or responsibility that passes from one person to another. So there's a little bit of a difference here. We get a commissioning when we receive salvation. A mantle can come through a man or woman of God or through a church. A mantle can be passed on to us. In the late 80s, God created, or directed Sally Ann and I to go to West City Christian Center, and now Church Unlimited. And to me, it was one of the best things that has ever happened. You know, God knew best, and we were going to a church, and at one stage, just in the morning, God said, I want you to go to that church up. I didn't even, I'd never been there. I didn't know who was preaching. I didn't know who was the pastor. I didn't know anything about it. Just one morning, it was very clear, go to that church. And we went. We obeyed. We took our kids there, and we've been there ever since. You know, that we knew the voice of God, and we obeyed the voice of God. The mantle of the church is what I really want to talk about. The mantle of a church is so important, but it's not restricting. It's actually empowering. You know, I had some, a couple come to me and say, look, we, we just feel we need to leave the church. Um, you know, you, you're just a franchise of a bigger church, and we just want to feel it's time to move on. You know, people move on. That's okay. Um, but it's just... I don't think people understand the the powering, the empowering of an apostolic church. And so I just want to go through that in a little bit more detail. What does Elisha do when the mantle first comes on him? Okay, so there's a mantle come on him. What does he do? He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meal and give it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So when the mantle actually came on Elijah, he actually did something. He left behind. He says goodbye to the old life. He begins to walk alongside Elijah and begins to learn this new vocation. So there was a a leaving behind of some things. And I just wonder whether we do leave behind stuff that we should be leaving behind. And the other aspect, he started to walk alongside somebody. 
Now, there's a, been quite lately, there's been this move and, and stirring within this congregation of that we should be walking alongside somebody. We should be mentoring somebody. We should be, you know, have somebody that we're bringing up and then trying to get our arm around or walk beside somebody that will help us as well. So my question is, who are you walking alongside? Now, some people may say, look, I don't need anybody. I have God. Well, sadly, if you look at that, if you don't need anybody, then how can you help somebody? Because you can't say, I don't need to walk with somebody, and then say, I want to encourage somebody else. We really need to be walking along somebody, uh, alongside. And I look back and look at the men that have spoken into my life. In fact, I spent three hours on the phone on Friday talking to somebody who was in Melbourne who was helping to shape and to guide me. And that time just went. It just I'm glad he was paying for it. <laughs> he phoned me. <laughs> but that was valuable to me, you know. And, I, and, and at the end, I just asked him to pray for me. I think he was quite surprised. I said, can you pray for me? And it was an awesome prayer. I think it's important that we do this. So let's have a, a I was just going to say here, I enjoy um, gleaning the wisdom of people, seeing things from other people's perspective. Many people teach me things, believe it or not, how to do things and how not to do things. I remember that, um, just hang on, Riley, don't put that up just yet, but I remember that when I um, recently bought my new motorbike, it was a little while ago, I hardly use it now, but when I bought it, I knew that I'd have to transport it on a trailer. So I thought, well, what's the best way of getting it on the trailer? I haven't got any equipment. So I went on to YouTube to watch how to how to put it on and how not to put it on. And there's plenty of videos of, mo of guys putting their motorbikes on trailers or the back of flatbed trucks and crashing them. And, you know, there's just heaps of them, you know. And I thought, well, I can learn from that. I don't want to be like that. A number of guys that don't realize that when you go up over that angle, that the actual, the, the exhaust hits the, the angle and the wheels then come off. And then there's no balance because there's nowhere to put your feet. And, of course... You, you crash off. But uh, some people's uh, lives are a little bit like this poster. Do you know anybody like that, that they're just a, a warning, this is not how to do it? <laughs> but we should, as Christ Christians, seek people that we can see, that they know where they're going they, they're a leader. And I often speak about this with leaders. You're a signpost. If you see on a fence that says garage sale at, you know, such and 33 Refew Road or something like that, you know, I don't know when that garage sale is in. It could have been that Saturday or the Saturday before or something, just a cardboard sign. But if you see a yellow sign, an AA sign that says Rotorua, you can know that that's going to get you to Rotorua. And you just follow those signs, you'll get to where you're going. And leaders in the church especially, we need to say the decisions that they make are right. I can see why they did that. I can see the importance of that. And then going and asking people, is, do you think I'm making the right decision? And I think it's important that we do that. Because in, in uh, Proverbs, it says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I often think of that, you know, with unity, the oil runs down the beard. Oil, I always think of that. The oil comes down. It comes down. It flows down, and it protects us. 
So now I'm just going to get into some Bible. We're going to read some Bible. Give me a wave if you haven't read the Bible this week. Give me a wave. There's one brave person. I'm sure there's a lot of people in this room. And I'm not going to um, stop you from having morning tea or, you know, make you stand in the naughty corner. But, you know, sometimes we struggle. So let's read some Bible together and hopefully I'll get through this without um, mucking it up. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. But do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. Now, it's important, I'm not going to go through all the, the names. I know there's good teaching on that, all the names of the places that they went through. It's an area of salvation and water baptism, those sorts of things. Pastor Tuck has, has and still plays a huge role in my development, and hopefully yours too. And aligning ourselves under somebody like Pastor Tuck is not a restrictive thing, It's an expansive proposition. It's a stretching thing. If we don't see anything else today, we need to see this. Elisha did not ask for the same spirit as Elijah. He asked for double. If I come under the anointing of Pastor Tark, let's say, I'm in this church, I'm not restricted to Pastor Tark's anointing. I can ask for double. And so can you. We need to see this. The person we're under has an anointing. But we're not restricted to that. Imagine that, and the more and more people, it gets smaller and smaller. That's not God's plan. The, God's plan is that it gets bigger and bigger. So everybody, let's say in Church Unlimited, because it's an apostolic church, has the ability to grow even further and do more than Pastor Tark has. But often it's in here, really, that stops us because we don't see this. Are you attending a church that has a big vision? 
Are you attending a church that has an apostolic vision? In other words, to see us multiply, to see growth, to see leaders raised up. Is your life group raising up an apprentice leader? Do you see shortly you need to birth another group? Do we need to double and the amount of leaders that we have in the church shortly? You know what I mean? This is what we're thinking. Because double portion at least. Kaitaia Campus has a very important and expansive role in the lives of those who attend and in this region, which has been ordained in advance. God did not bring Church Unlimited along here so that we could just have a good time on Sunday. He brought it here because it's an apostolic church that needs to reach this whole region. However far you live away, that's the start. That's the starting point. Can you run a meeting somewhere at Fotofifi? Yes. Can you run a meeting at Broadwood? Yes, in time. Whatever. Can you start up a work in Pakistan? Yes. We've got to see that we have a role that is greater than Elijah's anointing. Are you understanding this? Anybody? Pastor Tark has a huge passion for souls. Alongside prayer, fasting, Bible truth, Holy Spirit guidance and governance, we see it here. I don't know. There, there's the vision. Uh, can you see yourself on that plane going somewhere? It's possible. God has ordained in advance. He has commissioned you. And you come under the apostolic anointing. If we just have a look at the prophetic words, just some of the prophetic words. This is a growth church. This is growth. Look at it. It's just absolutely huge. Acceleration of expansion. New era of concerts. Ten times growth in ten years. If you look at a church that's got 4,000 people, you're talking about 40,000 people. Momentum that never ends. Epicenter of spiritual awakening. Predestined inheritance. Leave me astounded. God's trying to get our attention here. He's trying to say, this is big. This is bigger than you. This is bigger than us. Coming under the mantle of Pastor Tark and Church Unlimited, as I said before, isn't restrictive or narrow. Because God certainly isn't. It's expansion on top of expansion on top of expansion. Why? Because it's God's heart. Let's carry on in Kings. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed down 
the ground before him. Immediately, Elisha picked up the cloak, the mantle, and having seen the man of God do it, he slapped the water expecting his first miracle. And what I'm trying to encourage us to do is, when was your first miracle? Was it a few minutes after you got saved? Was it, you know, a week after you got saved? Was it a, a month? Was it a year after you got saved? Have you seen a miracle yet in your life? I can remember when I first got saved that, you know, I just believed this stuff. And, and I had to walk everywhere because my parents didn't have a car. And I said, Lord, it's raining. I, I just don't want to get wet. And I, it was raining around me, but I wasn't getting wet. You know, that sort of stuff. He just wanted to spoil me, and he wants to spoil you. Every morning, I've told you this before, and you're going to get sick of it, but every morning I use shaving foam out of a shaving can that's empty. And it just like God, I say every morning, he says, I love you. I'm, I'm using an empty shaving, and it's just as frothy as at the beginning. It's just like he says, I love you every morning. Now, I'm sure there are people in the room here, and I'm not alone, where we've seen more miracles than Elijah. He had 14 recorded. And we've seen more miracles than Elisha, and he had 28 recorded. We may not have raised the dead. We may not have got an axe head to rise, but we've seen miracles. And so we're down the track of passing these guys. And I want you to think, I need to be doing that as well. I need to be seeing miracle after miracle after miracle in my life. Hunger for it. Expect it. Expect it to exceed me. Every one of you. Exceed my, if, if you think of me as Elijah, if you know what I mean, double it. Whatever I do, double it. Don't come to see me perform. Come to share what's happening in your life. Because it should be twice as much as mine. Are you with me? There's something different here, isn't there? It's not the pastor's got it. You've got it. And you need to run with it. I don't want to be a watcher. I want to be where the action is. I want to be where the spirit is moving. I want to have a mantle. I want to carry that mantle. Anybody say amen? Time and time again, the Pharisees asked Jesus for a sign. They wanted to see something. Are we the same? Do we want to see the man or woman of God perform? Did we want to see the miracles from David and Greta? Of course we did. Show us a sign. Let's see the miracles. But what I'm trying to say is that's possible for us as well. As I've mentioned in previous messages, I bring this up. Even Jesus expects us to exceed him. Have you got that? Jesus expects us to exceed him. As he said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Tell the person beside you that Jesus is expecting you to do more than he did. Please. Come on. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Jesus is expecting every one of us to do more. Everyone in this room, 
every one of us more than what he did. Does that blow anybody's mind? (laughs) Then it's important that you align yourself and you come under that aligning and you come under the mantle and you move forward. The mantle, a responsibility handed down or handed to. We're all here because of the vision passed. I'm not trying to put Pastor Tark on a pedestal. I'm just trying to show you something. God spoke to Pastor Tark way back 30 years ago, the 100 people in the church. There was less people in the church than we have here now. But he had a message for him, and he, Pastor Tark has stuck to that message. And that message was souls. That was winning New Zealand. No matter what other pastors did, no matter what directions, they started companies, they did all sorts of things. They had this program, that program. Pastor Tark has kept it. If your department is not winning souls, why even have your department? Every department needed to be seeing that lost, whether it's ladies, men's, life groups. It's not a bless me club. It's reaching the community. And he's kept that course. And if through that, God's been able to bless him. Okay, because you've been faithful in this, Pastor Tark, I'd like you to take that to England, or I'd like you to take that to Egypt, or I'd like you to take that to Kaitaia. I'd like you to, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to say that I'm putting Tark on a pedestal, but I am saying that God has spoken to him. Sally and I are very thankful that we came under his umbrella and we have expanded and been stretched through that process. I was no different than Elisha, going about my normal business, going to when I came to the church. Life group, assistant leader, leader, PCL. Uh Uh-oh, what's the next step? (laughs) Didn't volunteer for the role, but God called, and God's calling you. The commission of God and the covering of the church gives us great freedom to exceed all expectations. The commission and mantle placed on Pastor Tark to reach this nation and the nations naturally flows down onto us. And through this collective vision, we also naturally want to reach the lost and reach this community and to take back what the enemy has stolen. Amen? It's a natural process. Elisha naturally wanted to get going. As soon as he had that cloak in his hand, bang, let's see this work, onto the water. Seconds, boom, on the water. It's a natural process. If the musicians could come up, that would be really good. You know, Paul's prayer to the Ephesians says, do you, firstly, do you believe this stuff? Paul's prayer to the Ephesians says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. This is what the Message Bible puts it. Far more than you would ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us his spirit deeply and gently within us. So it's not a man thing, it's a spirit thing that has been passed on and passed down. 
unlimited. This is church unlimited. No limits to your faith. No limits to your expectation. No limits to how many groups you can birth. No limits to how many souls you can win. No limits to how many uh, scones you can bake and take next door. There are no limits. Cut off that thinking. I think it's important that we're just going to pray into this slide here, the recent prophetic words spoken over Church Unlimited. We just have that last slide there. I just feel the, the presence of God at the moment. It's sort of like, is it possible? Is it really possible? Could I be reaching the lost? Could I be setting up a work in Bangladesh? What's possible out of Kaitaia? What's possible out of Nazareth? What good could come out of Nazareth? Does anybody know? Pardon? Jesus. This church is the epicenter of the spiritual awakening for Kaitaia. Because you're here. You are here. You are the epicenter. You are going to reach this community by the power of God. Let's stand. Let's stand, church. Let's pray into this just for a few minutes. We'll just have a bit of uh, music. You either grasp it or you miss it. Just pray. Pick one of those areas that you want to see in your life. Pick maybe two. Just pray it into being. Just pray it. Lord, help me. Lord, leave me astounded. Lord, you have an inheritance for me. An inheritance. In other words, I'm going to receive something from you. Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. The people that are, that are unsaved are our inheritance. They're for us. They're for Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we take on the mantle of Elisha. This morning, we take on that mantle. We understand that it's expensive. We understand that it's more than we can ever really believe. We understand that you said we would do even more. So help us, Lord. Give us the tools. Help us to walk with somebody. Help us to be part of a group. Help us to get connected. Help us to help other people 
to achieve what you're doing in our lives. And help us, Lord, to hear your voice. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to hear your guidance and your leading. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, I don't deny that I'm thankful for Pastor Tark. I don't deny that I'm thankful for other leaders and other churches that I've been. But my eyes have been opened to what is actually possible. And it's for you guys as well, every one of you. I was saying to Sally Ann this morning that God might ask her to have a baby at the age of 80. She said that these boxes that we were carrying in this morning were getting a bit heavy. She said, it might come a day when I can't lift those boxes. I said, God may ask you to have a baby when you're, you know, 20 or 30 years older. No limit. No limit. What's God asking us to do? Are you past it? You're not past it. Caleb said, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Let's pray that, eh? That's the word of the Lord. Ask God for your mountain. Ask God for a double portion. Job got, was blessed in his latter years more than he was blessed in his early years. Let's believe for that. <laughs> 